Good morning. Good morning. It is wonderful to have each and every one of you here this morning. Let us begin by singing the doxology together, which is found in your red hymnal, number 549. Singing the doxology. Be strong and of good courage, for you shall cause these, excuse me, let's try this again. Be strong and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your ways prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not frightened, neither be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 452, Living for Jesus, a Life That is True. Number 452, Living for Jesus, a Life That is True.
God, we come before you individually and collectively with the needs and requests that we have in our lives. And Lord, you remind us again and again that we are to pray to you whether we are alone or whether we are together, to always be united to you in prayer. And God, we want that to be a part of our worship this morning as we come to you with open hearts open spirits, open minds, to just enjoy the time that we have together with you. And Lord, in our prayers, you, you know of the needs that we have, and many times we just can't say the right things or the right words, but the presence of your Spirit in our lives utters those thoughts and those feelings that we have about the needs that we have. And God, we are so thankful that you do hear those prayers, that you do hear those utterances, that you pay heed to the Spirit of God that is your presence in our lives, that you listen to us and that you hear us loud and clear. God, we lift up the needs of friends and of family members, of patients throughout this medical center, of family members that will be visiting, of the staff that are working here today. God, we also lift them all up to you in prayer. We'd ask, God, that you too would hear those utterances that they make, the groanings of the Spirit that words can just not properly explain the needs that we have in our lives. But God, you see those things. You hear those things. And Lord, we just lay those requests before you right now. God, we are so thankful that you give us this opportunity to come and worship you within this chapel. We do not take it for granted. And we are so thankful for those that have served our country in peace and in war that have guaranteed us these freedoms that we have to worship you according to our faith and conscience. And Lord, we are so thankful that you also taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 399, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. Number 399, Wonderful Grace of Jesus.
morning that the grace of God reaches each and every one of us. No matter how much we have sinned, no matter how we have followed our own way, God still extends that grace to each and every one of us. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, Lord, we are so thankful that you accept our worship because, Lord, we are worshiping freely to you. And Lord, many times we don't sing the hymns correctly, but God, it doesn't matter. You hear the worship of our spirit, the worship of the truth in our lives, the worship of our prayers, the worship and the intent of the scriptures that we read together. And Lord, you take all of those imperfections and you perfect them through the Spirit of God that is in our lives. And Lord, we just praise you for that and thank you. And God, I would ask that you would help me. Help me to say those things as imperfect that they might be, but that you would perfect them in spirit and in truth by your presence in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. A couple of months ago, I was asked to do a memorial service for someone that had passed away. And uh, the person that had died was a person of faith. Not sure exactly whether it was Christian faith or another faith, but he was a person of faith. He had a spirituality, had a spiritual life. And his wife asked me to come and say a few words at the memorial service, the celebration of his life, because as she said to me, I was the closest thing to God that she knew. And I told her that she could do a lot better than me, but I thanked her for the compliment. And so I, uh, I provided a, a short memorial service message based on the circumstances, the location, where we were at. And uh, a friend of hers had actually taped uh, me doing the message, and she, so she sent it, me and sent it to me, so I... I put it on my YouTube site just so people could see what chaplains do in terms of how do they minister in difficult types of situations, such as a memorial service for someone. A couple of days ago, I uh, showed the, the video to a chaplain friend of mine that I had served with for, for, for many years. In fact, we originally served together in Desert Storm, so I know, you know I'm dating myself. So we, so we actually served together in Desert Storm, and then we saw each other later on in our chaplain careers. Uh, actually, I was a Navy chaplain at the time. 
he was still serving in the Army as a chaplain, and we actually served in adjoining locations, and we actually ended up covering for each other in terms of the chaplain coverage in the area where we were in. So he was actually here a few days ago, and I showed him the, the tape of my memorial service, and he, he got done, and I said, well, so what do you think? And, and, and professionally, right, we're always looking for our friends or the people who know who we are. We want their opinion. We value their opinion. And, of course, we hope that the opinion is always favorable, but you, know, you can tell if they're your friend when they're kind of deflecting. Well, I'm not really sure if I agree with what you said here. So he, he looked at me, and I said, so what do you think? And we've been friends for a long time, and we're always very honest with each other. And he said, well, you didn't preach anybody into heaven, but you didn't preach anybody into hell. So I said, so is that a compliment? And he said, well, yeah, kind of, sort of. I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have done this. And so he began to tell me how he would have done it, which is fine, because we're friends. And he said the part of his message is he always talks about at a memorial service the destiny of our lives. And then each and every one of us have a destiny. And when we have a memorial service, because we're talking about it as chaplains, it's an opportunity to remind everybody as we celebrate the person that has died, their life, it's also an opportunity for us to reflect on our own destiny. Because each and every one of us, unless the Lord comes back before then, each and every one of us is going to die. And that's a destiny that you and I all, each and every one of us have. There's no exclusions to that. And so I pondered what he said, took it as an act of encouragement, and then we just went on and talked about something else. But I share that story with you because as the scriptures that we have read together... Christ wants us to exemplify in the truth of our lives how we love one another. How we show that love to one another. And I think we do it in different ways, in different forms, based on who we are, based on our personalities, based on the way that we were taught, the way that we grew up, all of those social and cultural influences that make us who we are part of our identity, our worldview, if you will. But there's something that's consistent about each and every one of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, is that we are to represent God in love to one another. Now, it doesn't mean that we always get it right. In fact, we fail on a regular basis. I know I fail to make that objective or that mission, if you will, on a, on a regular basis. But it doesn't mean that we give up on that mission. It doesn't mean that we give up on the desire that we need to have in our lives to show love to one another. Because really that is the truth of who we are. Because we know that our destiny exists, but we know that the ultimate destiny is with Christ in God and eternal life in heaven. So we know that. That destiny has already been settled for each and every one of us that know Jesus Christ. So when we come together in worship, when I was doing this memorial service, I did it 
not to preach anybody into heaven or to preach anybody into hell. But my words were reflective of the truth that I wanted to show love to this man's family, to his wife, to his children, to the hundreds of people, and there were literally hundreds of people there, for them to see that love can be shown and demonstrated in different ways. And that's what my message was in terms of celebrating his life, was the encouragement that we give to each other just by the presence of being there, just by the presence of being together. In fact, uh, when we spend time in worship on Sunday mornings, it would be kind of lonely if there was only one or two of you here. In fact, there have been services where Lynn and I have been here and she's played the hymns and I've provided the message when there was only one person in here. And that was an interesting time. So it does mean something when collectively we come together to do things. When we collectively come together to show and demonstrate the truth in our lives. And many times it's not by the words that we say, but it's just by our presence of being together. That shows and exemplifies the love of Christ in our lives by just being together. Because many times that truth is represented exactly by our attitudes and by our actions, not by our words. The truth of who we are is exemplified by the deeds that we do. But yet, as we do those deeds, as we carry out those practices about showing and demonstrating God's love, God reminds us again and again that that is a manifestation of the grace that God has given us. It comes from that grace that you and I are able to show that love. It's not the other way around. We don't show love first and then we get God's grace. No, God doesn't work that way. God tells us again and again that His grace is freely given to us first. And because we have embraced that grace, because we have embraced the truth of that grace, then then we can show the right kind of love to one another. And why do I say that? Because if we do it the other way around, we are not showing the right kind of love that God wants us to demonstrate. Because if we show love first before we've incorporated God's grace into our lives, that love that we show is going to be based on our own selfish motivation. We're going to be doing things because we're going to want things in return. And that's not an act of love. Love is showing and demonstrating to people that we love them not for the things that they can do for us, not for the favors that they can provide for us later on, not for the things that they can owe me later on. That's not true love. True love is something that we do unconditionally. True love is something that we do not expecting anything in return. And we can't do that unless we truly have accepted and understood through God's grace the fact that He loves us unconditionally for who we are. Not for the things that we do or do not do, but just because we are His creation. Just because we are one of His sons and one of His daughters. Just because He loves us. 
And He loves us unconditionally. And when we understand that, when we understand that there are no preconditions to God's love, and we embrace that grace, then then we can truly love each other the way that God wants us to. And then that truth is exemplified. That truth is exemplified because you and I can go forward in our lives understanding the destiny that we have in Jesus Christ. Because we already know the end of the story. We already know the victory that has been achieved because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And so when we come into contact with people of other faiths, other beliefs, we can show them that grace and that love, but still stand for the truth of what we represent in Christ. Because then, they will hear the message of God's love. Because a lot of times I think we want to have it the other way around, but if we do that, we're truly not embracing God's grace. We're truly not demonstrating and understanding the atonement and the sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ for your sins and for my sins. Because we truly want to preach everyone into heaven if we could. There's no one that I want to see in hell. But we do it in so many different ways. We show the manifestation that you and I are followers of Jesus Christ in so many different ways, but the main concept, the main idea is that we love one another. The scriptures tell us this morning that no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. So we have a responsibility then to show God to others. Just as much as my friend came and asked me to be part of a memorial service because she said I was the closest thing to God that she knew. Not because of my profession, but because of who I was as a person. So people do see God in us. If we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and if your co-workers or family members or friends knows that you're a Christian, and you step out of line, you say the wrong thing, you get angry, something foul comes out of your mouth, you do the wrong thing, guess who are the first ones to remind you what you claim you believe in? Not the fellow believers. The ones who don't believe, that are aware of your belief. They are the first ones. A friend of mine was participating as an observer in something that was going on at the United States Supreme Court a couple of months ago. And as they were waiting to get into the U.S. Supreme Court to hear the arguments that were being made about this case, the people that were of the opposing opinion got next to him and they got very rowdy and very obscene and very vile. And he was sharing this story with us that he, he lost it. He went off on them. And guess who reminded him when he went off on them? And you call yourself a Christian? They did. 
because they knew what he stood for. And when he went off on them, the first things that they said out of their mouths was, you call yourself a Christian? And he paused for a moment. He gathered himself. And he said in response to them, he said, you know, you're right. I apologize for my conduct, for the words I've just said, because they were not Christ-like. And he said it was like, you know, this big wall or curtain, like this knife cut through it and just came down. And all of a sudden, the people that were opposing him in terms of these different issues that were being represented in the court, all of a sudden, there became a dialogue and a conversation. You know what I'm talking about? And he said since that time, he's been able to have a conversation, a dialogue with people that oppose certain ideas and values. In fact, they've actually been over to his office and they've had discussions and he's actually been over to their office and they've had discussions about looking at people's perspectives and different points of view over some of these different cultural issues that we find ourselves in in the United States. And as he was talking to me about it, he said, you know, one of the things that when the opposition pointed out that his behavior was incorrect and was wrong, you know, he remembered God's grace that had been extended to him again and again and again and again. And in the same way with, with us, as God's grace is extended to each and every one of us again and again and again and again, it gives us another opportunity to show God's love. It gives us another opportunity to say, you know, yeah, you're right. What I said was wrong. It's not representative of what I truly believe in. I'm sorry. I apologize. I was reading something a couple of weeks ago, and the person was talking about the fact of how much courage it takes for someone to say that they're sorry for something that they did. How much courage it takes to apologize for a wrong that has been committed. But the person went on to say that when you do those things, it frees something up inside of you, spiritually and emotionally. It frees something up inside of you for once in your life you're free from something that had been burdening you because your pride was standing in the way of asking for that forgiveness, making that apology, saying that you were sorry about something. And I'm not talking about the casual I'm sorry things that we do. You know, we do that sometimes as a casual phrase in our lives, not really meaning anything by it. We're just trying to be nice, socially acceptable. I'm talking about those apologies and those sorries when we have done something that we truly are sorry for. And he said that such a freeing power when we take the courage to do that. Because when we're doing that, we are demonstrating God in our lives. God in our lives in terms of who we are and that His love is to make us complete. His love is to make us complete. We talked about last Sunday 
people that believe in certain ideas where they have no purpose in the ideas of what they believe in, but yet they believe in those ideas that it's somehow progressing, right? And we talked about how can that be, how can you believe in something that gives you no purpose, but yet it's progressing? The scriptures tell us here this morning that the love of God is there to make us complete. The love of God gives us that purpose. That love of God in our lives shows the progress that we are making. And all of us keep working towards that. All of us never stop on working on that purpose and how it progresses in our lives. And it's demonstrated by how we love one another. You find someone that's an infant in terms of spiritual maturity, someone who's a baby in terms of spiritual maturity, and if you examine them, if you listen to them, most likely their infancy and their maturity or their immaturity is based on the fact that the love of God in their lives has not expanded, has not grown, has not matured, has not made any progress. Because they have not allowed the purpose of God's love, which is His grace, to be incorporated in their lives. And it's usually those that are very, very hostile, very, very angry about their walk with God, very angry and hostile towards other groups. I was in a conversation with a couple of ministers two weeks ago and we were talking about the fact that there are some religious organizations that unless they have someone that they can do battle with, they cannot survive and they cannot thrive. You know what? God doesn't want us to thrive and survive based on our enemies. On the contrary, God wants us to thrive and survive based on showing and demonstrating His grace and His love to others. We stand for the truth. We make no apologies for what we believe in in terms of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Believing on the fact that Christ died for your sins and for my sins. We don't apologize that we take by faith that the Spirit of God called and beckoned each and every one of us and that we identified with God, we identified with His grace that He was showing to us we asked and received Christ into our lives. We make no apologies for that. The scriptures tell us again and again for us not to deny Christ. Not to deny our relationship with Him. Because if we do that, do we truly have a relationship with God? Are we truly followers of Jesus Christ? God wants us to show us that love to others. To show us that love that He has showed us to others. Because if we love one another, love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. You and I have been born of God as followers of Jesus Christ. And if we know God, we show and demonstrate that we know God by the love that we show to one another. It is 
applying that grace and that truth, understanding that as we walk with God and as we demonstrate that truth, we know what our destiny is, and our destiny is in Christ. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion. Reminding us that as we have that destiny in Christ, that He gives us an opportunity when we celebrate communion together as a body of believers in His Son, Jesus Christ. Another opportunity to get it right and to show and demonstrate that grace that is in our lives. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you love us, that you forgive us of our sins, that you demonstrate the grace that God, you have provided. Lord, forgive us when we have not showed that grace, when we have not incorporated it the way that we should. And because of that, we have not showed the love that you want us to show. That love that we've been showing God has been about ourselves and not about others. Forgive us, God. Help us, God, to love unconditionally the way that you love us unconditionally. Thank you, God, for forgiving us and loving us just the way we are. In Christ's name, amen. Receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 431. Open my eyes that I may see. Number 431. Open my eyes that I may see. Thank you for coming.